The following podcast is produced and syndicated by Influencer Podcast Network. Become a podcast star. Go to InfluencerPodcastNetwork.com. Because dating isn't always great. I'm Amy Helt, and this is the Dating Disasters Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to yet another episode of some cringeworthy <laughs> behavior. Um, I'm glad to say today that it's not going to be cringeworthy behavior really on my part. So that's pretty good. I, I often use myself as the example. And today I really wanted to get back to an episode that I did a few weeks ago about a, a significant relationship that I had that brought me to Dallas, Texas. And there was so much to unpack that was disastrous in that relationship that unfortunately it requires at least two episodes. In the meantime, I was able to get one of my really good friends on as a guest. So I went ahead and, and did those um, episodes, which you'll notice the gay dating episodes, amazing. So make sure you check them out. But I really did want to get back to the Dallas disaster. So if you tuned in to that first episode, you're going to know that I left off right at the point where my sort of boyfriend, who was my boyfriend, but we may or may not have been Rossing and Racheling, taking a break. Uh, he was still pursuing me, trying to make things a little bit better, and I found out that he was dating someone else. And I found out because I called his house and left a message on his answering machine, and she was there. So he had to call me back and tell me what was going on. You know, as I look back on that, because, it, and I was just talking to my current boyfriend about it last night, it really was a relationship that shaped me. It shaped me in how I view people, how I make choices in a relationship, and how I handle adversity. Because, you know, we can never control what the other person does. And what happened in this case really was not a reflection of me. It was completely a reflection of him. And how we respond to others' behavior is so important. So. I had a little bit of pride yesterday because I don't think about this relationship that often, to be honest. I think about it if somebody asks me something about it or if one of my girlfriends is having a struggle where she's in a relationship with somebody that she knows on paper is really, really good and that it should be working, but it just isn't there and there's just not that that true happiness and that true teamwork. But, you know, I think about it then. And the other day I, I thought about it a little bit and I really had some pride for myself because I had learned so much up to that point to, to learn how to really handle a crappy situation, at least in the moment, and not go completely off the rails. Because I mean, so imagine this, and let me take you right back to actually, because I picture it, it's like I'm sitting on that sofa in this moment again. I, I picture it so clearly because 
it was that significant of an event to me. Um, giving him a call at home when he's not even supposed to be in town and I couldn't reach him on his cell phone, so I don't know what prompted me to do that. Leaving the message about going to meet him out of town. And about five minutes later, maybe not even, getting a phone call back on my home phone, because that's where I was, from his home phone and being completely confused and perplexed and like, what's going on? You know, when that happens to you, when something's happening and you're like, wait, and you're like, you need a, a minute for your brain to catch up and analyze and like bring you to actually what's going on. Totally that moment. I mean, why would he be calling from home if he was supposed to be in Oklahoma at a trade show at a hotel working, right? It would be from his cell phone. So I pick up the phone naturally and it's him and I'm now completely confused. So when you get to that point and confusion has completely set in and your world is backward for a minute, even when sometimes it's not bad, it, it really, it's kind of, you know, stressful and, and concerning. So, you know, I am like, well, what, what are you doing? What's happening? What you're supposed to be in Oklahoma. You're calling me from your home phone. Like, I don't understand. And it turned out that he was actually dating one of his coworkers while he was still, you know, coming to my house, calling me, leaving me flowers, leaving me cards, wanting to work on the relationship. If you recall from the previous episode, we had just been out to dinner the night before where he spent a good bit of time crying in the parking lot, which was kind of weird. But again, like, I mean, people cry, people are emotional, no big deal, you know, unusual for him. But, you know, I didn't really think much of it. I thought it was kind of strange, but not red flag alarms going off strange. And so now on the phone on this Saturday morning, uh, he has to explain to me that in fact, a woman that he works with that he, I guess, had been spending some time with is at his house, is staying at his house. She flew in, they're spending the weekend together. And the night before when we were at dinner and he was dressed a little more nicely than I would have thought just for, I mean, the restaurant was, it's a good restaurant, but it's not a, a five-star dressy, you know, dress code kind of place. He seemed dressed a little nicer than maybe normally he would be. And the crying in the parking lot while he was doing that, telling me how sorry it, he was that the relationship had kind of taken a turn, that he wanted it to be better, all this stuff, the girl is waiting at the airport for her, for him to come get her. And she keeps calling him while we're eating and while we're outside talking for probably another 20 minutes because she's waiting for him to pick her up. <laughs> And he's with me crying about how sorry he is and how he wants things to be different. So he's explaining this. Now, now I'm, I'm piecing things together. He obviously could not say this on the telephone because I don't know that she knew about me or that he was with me. I'm pretty certain she didn't because I don't think that any woman who really truly wants a relationship will move forward with somebody who is still tied to and pursuing their previous partner. And if you are one of those people, if you are a man who is currently, you know, dating casually a woman who is still tied up with her ex-boyfriend or a woman dating a man who's tied up with his ex, or, you know, we talked about last week, last episode, gay dating, whatever it is, if whoever you are pursuing is still tied up, 
you can save yourself a ton of angst just by backing up. Let that relationship run its course. When you get involved in things like that, shit happens. It can be confusing and it's not necessarily going to turn out right for you. It might in the long run, but there's going to be a lot of weird stuff, a lot of uncomfortable stuff, and a lot of stuff that that wouldn't normally happen in a relationship. So just kind of heed that warning. If, if that's where you are right now in life, give it some thought. Think about what you, you know, what's your end game here? What are you doing? What are you willing to accept and not accept? So I am quite certain that this coworker of his really didn't know that, you know, maybe she knew about me, maybe she knew the relationship had not worked out. I'm quite certain that she didn't know that the interactions between he and I were still the same. They were not that different than they were when we were dating now that we had decided to take a break because it just, I felt it just wasn't going anywhere, right? So he has to now call me back and, and tell me what's going on because I left a message on the answering machine. And for you guys that remember answering machines, you leave a message, everybody who's there hears you. So as I'm leaving my message saying, you know, I was gonna come up to, to your hotel today, leave a key at the desk, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Dinner was great last night. She's hearing all this, and I'm going to guess they pro that probably is what woke them up. And there's my booming voice talking about the night before, how, you know, I feel like I need to do more of my part. You know, I talked to my mom. She kind of set me straight. You know, I want to make an effort. And here's this other girl, right? So it, <laughs> I laugh now because sort of that's what he deserved, to be put in that very uncomfortable, very crappy position with no way out and no way to explain it away other than to tell the truth, all because I, for some reason, called his home phone. So, you know, again, he calls me back. He's explaining this to me. And to be very honest, I was completely stunned. In this relationship with this person, there were things I didn't like about him. There were things that wouldn't be my ideal if I could pick it and create the person I really wanted. However, none of us is perfect. All of us have weird things, negative things, things we can't change, you know, physical attributes that we can't change, um, where we're from, some of our family values, etc., things like that. But the good and the things that I really looked for in a stable, long-term relationship, we did have. We shared those in common, and those were very, very important to me. So they kind of trumped the other things. Like, he was really uh, quite a homebody, and I, at that time, liked to be out all the time. I'm still very, very social. I like to be around people. I like to be doing things. I was out probably, you know, five nights a week going to have cocktails with my girlfriends, going to hear live music and things. I liked that. I liked, you know, living in the city, that sense of community. And he was much lower key. And I did share also in the previous, the first half of this episode, my roommate at the time, Kitty, with her words of wisdom, as I was explaining this to her, you know, he had these really good qualities that were really stable and really important for my long-term big picture, which was a family life. 
And, you know, he was a lot lower key than I was. And in her brilliance, she said, you know, Amy, I don't think you should have somebody like as high key as you are, because that's a little bit off the rails because it, it was, that's cool. That's a fair assessment. But she's like, but the guy barely has a pulse. And I was like, uh-huh, because she had interacted with us a lot. So we were very opposite socially, but those long-term qualities that, that family oriented, um, very focused on his career and building a life, very calm, you know, not, not a sharp temper, very even emotion wise. Sometimes again, a little bit too much. I had to put a mirror under his nose to make sure he was still breathing sometimes. And I literally had to do that. But those long-term qualities are things that I always told myself when I'm, you know, 60 or 65 or 70, and I have a family and I'm looking back on my life and my family, you know, I imagine it like at a holiday, when you're sitting there and your whole family's there and you're just like looking around like, wow, I'm so grateful for this. Look how, look at what my life is. This is so good. I, I felt that I would be very, very happy with the decision to move forward with him and to stay with him and to overlook the other things that, you know, I didn't love because I mean, really, is it that big of a deal if I want to go out five or six nights a week with my girlfriends and he doesn't or you know, he, we go out and we're home by eight or he wants to wake up at, you know, 6am on a Saturday, which wakes me up to go play golf. No. I mean, in the big picture at that time was the trade-off was worth it to me. And something that came with that was I felt he was honest. I felt he was stable. And I felt really that he took the relationship seriously and that I could depend on him. No matter what, I could depend on him. If, he, if I called him and he said, I'm here, whatever, I'm here with so-and-so doing whatever, I knew that was the case. He was, I, I trusted him completely. And you know, for a long distance relationship, you kind of have to. I never ever worried about not being told the truth or thinking it was weird or anything. And there is something really to be said for that feeling in a relationship. So in this moment, in my really nice apartment in Addison, Texas, one of my favorites, sitting on my blue, navy blue velvet couch with this, I remember again, like it was yesterday, this purple furry blanket that I'd gotten at Bed Bath & Beyond <laughs> with my little black cat that he and I shared sitting at my feet, all curled up on the blanket, nice and cozy, and holding the phone and him telling me what actually was going on. And I remember I just kind of started to shake a little bit and I was completely confused. And so my brain still is like trying to catch up. And once it caught up, which it did pretty quickly, I opened my mouth to say something and like no sound came out. And if you have ever been in this moment, and I sadly, I feel like most people have, when someone that they completely trust totally betrays the trust, that's bad enough, obviously. But it's so much worse when it's, you know, you are, not only is your trust betrayed, but you're having it dropped on you like, like a bomb. You don't even know, like it's, it's completely, you don't expect it. 
you're, you know, I was just thinking, oh, I should get in the shower and I'm going to pick up the the cat that we share and we're going to drive to Oklahoma and I'm going to spend the night, check out the, um, the Oklahoma City Memorial, stuff like that, check out the town. And here I'm, I, this is happening. You know, I'm hearing something that I don't even understand. I cannot even, honestly, I could not even comprehend what he was telling me. Because to me, no matter what I thought of some of the other things he did, that annoyed me or I didn't like, or that I maybe had decided caused the relationship to stall. Never in a million years, and even to this day, I have a very difficult time wrapping my brain around that person doing that thing to me. So not only is it the betrayal, it's the explanation and the in the moment having to try to process it. And right then i mean the the majority i mean the the range of the emotions that i felt was so much i mean i'm confused first so my brain is like what's going on i'm stunned because it's being it's like being hit by a bus that you don't see coming i'm angry I'm even beyond angry. I, you know, I mean, I think it's one of those emotions that you feel where like there's so much just fury that you feel like your head is going to pop off of your body. And then I was disappointed and sad and frustrated. I mean, so again, in these like five seconds <laughs> where I'm trying to collect myself to just say something, anything, nothing is happening. And I'm holding the phone and I open my mouth and I remember I was just staring straight ahead and I, I opened my mouth to say something and literally nothing came out. And in that moment, I was like, I mean, you know, I, I just need to hang up. So I just hung up and I remember sitting there and after about 10 or 15 seconds, I just started to sob out of the sheer disappointment to find out that somebody who I thought they were, they really were not at all. And that day, that 24 hours, and if you've ever gotten news like this, and I'm sure a lot of you have, and I'm so sorry for it because it is absolutely heartbreaking, no matter what the status of your relationship is with that other person, um, it's, it's just stunning. And that first 24 hours is kind of just, you're in it, right? You're just sitting there and you're like, oh, uh, what do I do? What, how do I manage this? How do I, how do I feel about this? Like, you, you can't ignore it. You know, I couldn't just hang up the phone and act like, oh, no big deal, because, well, whatever, that relationship won't work out. Is that what I would do now? Yeah. I learned a lot from this moment. I learned so much about people and choices and, and responses and what these things tell you. But it's also such a matter of the heart. And even though now I might be much quicker to be like, okay, well, that wasn't, that's not who I thought they were. That doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. That just means that my management of it is a little bit different. So, you know, I sat on the couch probably 24 hours. Um, in the meantime, you know, obviously I call my mom because I'm stunned. She is like, what the fuck is going on? Because to my family, that wasn't who he was either. And in my family, 
there's integrity and there are things you just don't do. You're not perfect, but there are things that are just like, no, that's not acceptable. This was one of them. They couldn't even believe it. And I called my cousin, Tracy, who I was um, very close with, and we were talking about it. And I remember her saying very clearly, she said, where are you? And I said, I'm at home. Why? Because I'm, you know, on my home phone. And she said, well, what are you doing? And I said, well, I mean, I'm sitting here, like I'm calling you. And she's like, no, like, where are you and what are you doing? And I said, I don't, what are you saying? And she said, I can't believe that you did not get your ass into your car and drive over there and confront him and have it out with him over this. And really, it never occurred to me to do that. I did feel a tremendous amount of anger and resentment, but I was so taken by the disappointment. So spoiler alert, the disaster does not go that way, <laughs> um, which is a good thing right then. Unfortunately, this is a much larger picture disaster than something so simple as going over there in a rage and having it out with him over this incident and, and telling him to send her home. In those moments after, it did not even occur to me. And I kind of laughed when she suggested it because she's like, you know, the girl I know would be like dressed and over there and like, what the fuck's going on here? You're going to explain this. And I just remember feeling like, no. I mean, I cared very much, but I think I cared so much more about the betrayal than I did about the actual action. I didn't feel like it was because she was smarter or prettier or funnier or any of those things. It wasn't, it didn't become internalized as a, a self-image issue. Like I think so many times it does when somebody cheats on a person. I knew at that point I was smart enough to know anyway, thank goodness, that it didn't have anything to do with me at all, really. It was a choice he made. It was, you know, when you're in a relationship and things are difficult, there's, you know, you're, you don't always see the best in the other person. You don't always, you know, compliment them and build them up. You're trying to live life, you know, you're in the trenches daily, trying to work shit out. And a new person comes along who doesn't have to deal with all the hassle and the baggage and the issues of a relationship. So they have all kinds of time to be complimentary and supportive and like, oh, you're so funny, huh? And laugh at your dumb jokes, right? Instead of just telling you your jokes are dumb, get some new stuff, you know? And I'm grateful in that moment that when she, she said that, she was surprised I hadn't done it. And I was, when I thought about it, I was like, yeah, I'm kind of surprised too, but that's not the route I'm taking here. Now, you might think that this incident was just the end. And no, <laughs> it wasn't really at all. And this is where I think I really kind of um, learned and understood and and made different decisions going forward. From this incident, I mean, he didn't call me back that day. He didn't call me the rest of the weekend. I mean, why would he? First, I mean, he's in this now shitty position. He probably hung up with me and he's probably getting yelled at by some other girl who's crying, potentially throwing things because she doesn't know. And if she did know, I mean, who in their right mind would get involved in a situation like she inserted herself in? So that's kind of what happens, you know? That's kind of what you get. But I don't think she knew. And, you know, a week went by maybe, and I remember it being 
right around Christmas time because I was actually going back to the East Coast for Christmas by myself. He wasn't going. He wasn't planned to go. And I was in the car being picked up from the airport with my dad and my grandpa came to get me. I don't know where my mom was. And I got a text message or a missed call from him. And I was like, what, hold on, what is going on? Because <laughs> like, why, what is going on? Block the number, right? So everybody, I can hear you shouting, block the fucking number. Don't take the call. I would be shouting that too. At that moment, I was not smart enough, obviously. So I take the call and we have a relatively shallow conversation where, you know, I mean, imagine you're him and you have to call me and and talk about something <laughs> you know an apology something and 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 actually i'm going to back this up because um i did actually see him before i left for christmas and we went out to dinner to have a discussion he wanted to explain himself i can't believe that this part just slipped my mind completely, but <laughs> you can tell how important like that, that this is not where the lesson came from, right? The lesson came from the, the time at Christmas, but, um, you know, we went out to dinner, we were talking about it. I was completely dissatisfied, obviously with the, the excuse by that point, it was just disappointment that I felt I was a little bit pissed off, but, um, because it, my thing was kind of, how do you do this to somebody? You know, we both moved to Dallas together. I had just taken a week or two before this, a brand new higher paying job in the pharma industry. It was a great opportunity. I was getting actually paid salary um, more than he was. He was in device at the time, which is where he met this woman. So you know, if you are in device sales, your salary is really good, but your bonuses and commissions are really, really good. Pharma is a little bit different, um, but I was making more than he was. and. You know, there, I had resentment even from that I was trying to assimilate to a place that I didn't want to be in the first place for the sake of a relationship. So that was probably mistake number one. And something I really talk about in my program, onlinedatingresults.com, for people who need help with online dating, is when you are searching online dating or when you are looking to date someone in general, you have to think about location. You don't have to date somebody who lives where you live right now. Long distance relationships are fine, but you know, if they work out, you're gonna have to move somewhere. So you should make sure it's somewhere where you really want to be. I didn't really wanna be in Dallas. I really wanted to be in Miami or back in San Francisco or maybe even Austin. I did not wanna be in Dallas. I did it because out of the options that we looked at, it was the most reasonable. I made a reasonable choice. And that sometimes is important, but your happiness and your peace and your feeling of stability is important too. So at dinner, you know, he's explaining stuff to me. I'm by this point, I'm not crying because I'm so, uh, a week or two has passed. I have more disappointment and anger than sadness. It's not a situation where I think, oh my God, I have to beg him. We have to get back together. No, I was kind of like, okay, if this is who you are, this is who you are. Okay. And I remember he dropped me off at home and I had my leftovers in a to-go box on my lap. 
And we were talking a little bit more in the parking space. And I just got so pissed that I took my leftover box and I threw it at him and it opened up and all my food went all over him. And he was pretty like anal about stuff. So that was like, <laughs> not only did I get to throw something and make a mess on him, but I mean, it's even worse when you have somebody who is a little bit like, oh my God, I've got a piece of lint on my sweater. The world is over, right? Now you've got kind of like um, some shrimp etouffee all over your entire outfit. So fuck you, right? Um, so that kind of packed a little bit of extra punch. And, and you know, I, I threw the, the leftovers I got out of the car because I was just so fed up and I was so disappointed. And it wasn't even at that point so much about what he did. You know, when I think back to that, those incidents too, it's not about, it's just about the dishonesty and the betrayal overall. And the fact that, you know, another woman was involved. Okay. But I mean, I know that that doesn't have, that, that doesn't reflect on me. That doesn't mean that I wasn't enough. So that didn't kind of stick with me as much as just the lying and the show and wanting to come out looking like the good guy, which you weren't. I mean, you can't do this and be the good guy. You just can't. So if any of you are trying that, you look like an idiot. Don't try it. So I, you know, I had seen him the one time before I went home and then now I'm home at Christmas and, and he calls me when I'm on my way home from the airport and I take the call, which again, what am I doing, right? What am I doing? I've determined that I don't want to marry the guy. I've determined that, yeah, you know what? I might have love for him, but it's not that fairy tale kind of love that I really want. We really are not a, a good pair and I can have somebody who has more of the qualities I'm looking for and still have those other good things, the stability, the family oriented, et cetera. So what am I doing? Like when he told me about this girl, I should have just hung up the phone and been like blocked his number and that was it. I mean, I've got the cat. Coco was all I really cared about, right? So see ya. And I should have packed my bags and gone back to San Francisco, which is where I wanted to be. But then reason set in. I had this job and I couldn't just quit it. I had only, you know, I got it two weeks ago and uh, all this other being reasonable, being adult stuff, right? So we talk on the phone and he was actually having a problem at work. And amazingly, who does he call for that support but me? Why didn't you call the other girl? I mean, you work with her and she was involved in the incident too. So you have that in common. What are you doing? So again, right, you would think, guys, Amy, block the number, move on. What are you doing? You don't want to live in Dallas. You don't want to marry him. Who fucking cares? Move on. Like, open yourself up to meet somebody else. Well, we continued, of course, to talk over time. And I was in New Orleans for New Year's that year with my girlfriends. And I remember talking to them about it. And, and my one friend, who I am still very, very good friends with to this day, you know, she's really funny and I really, cause she's really direct, which is good, but I appreciate her because she doesn't sugarcoat it for you. She doesn't even, um, I mean, it's not even softened for you, right? It's just kind of like, well, listen, if you call him, you're an idiot. Like, what are you doing? So she was sort of my mirror, but still I was like, you know what? I just, you know, I have to stay in Dallas. I don't want to be there. I don't really think about being there if I'm not dating him. So when I get home, I'm going to, you know, we'll go to dinner. We'll see what he has to say. Right. So here I am in this hamster wheel. Who's been there? Raise your hands. Most of us. 
Hopefully we learn from this. Remember, this was such a learning experience. So we go through a whole process, of course, of talking, starting to go out with each other once in a while again, um, starting the process really slowly. And in the meantime, a couple bad things happened. My cousin passed away from a drug overdose. And, you know, this Tony, the guy I was dating, was close with my family. So, um, you know, I called him to tell him and that was a thing. And as I was getting home from that funeral, uh, I had texted him or called him to let him know that I got in because I was getting in pretty late and I didn't get an answer. And I was like, motherfucker, doing this again. Like he's not serious about making things right. Turns out he was in a very serious car accident where his car hydroplaned and went under an 18 wheeler. Um, thankfully, and I am grateful to this day that he somehow was completely uninjured. Um, the only, his car was completely totaled and he missed the golf tournament that he was going to, but he was completely, um, intact, which again, to this day, I'm very, very grateful for. So there were some incidents like that, that kind of, you know, in times of turmoil, people come back together and, we decided to continue working on our relationship. So as you can see, ongoing disaster here, right? Because I've got these red flags. I've got a situation that I'm not really loving. I'm ignoring what my instinct is really telling me to do. And over this time, because this woman, the, the girl that flew into Dallas, was someone he worked with, he had to work with her from time to time. You know, if you're in the medical industry, you know, you understand you have... Um, clinical experts and managers and even other reps that will work with you. They'll ride along with you to go to certain accounts. And so they can learn. And that's what this was the case. And I remember a very awkward conversation where they were both working together and had to drive from Dallas to, I don't know, uh, two or three hours away. And it was just a better idea to go by car versus flying. And so on the car ride, normally when he would do this, we would talk, you know, because you're just driving. So he called me, which again, like, <laughs> I think if this, like if I were doing, I might have to go a stop, like pull over and shit my pants because that's so uncomfortable. It makes me like, it makes my stomach rumble just thinking about being in that position, right? You've got the person next to you that you were trying to date and lied to, and now you have to work with them. And you've got on the phone then the girl that you were also trying to get back together with who didn't know about the other girl that you were lying to her and you're on the phone in the middle and you have to talk to the girl who's at home like it's a normal relationship in front of the other girl. I mean, you know, I almost, you know, when I think about it that way, I really cannot believe that he even like thought to call me or work with her. I'm surprised he didn't just quit his job and move to like Greece or something. I don't know. But like <laughs> to put yourself in that position is really, really ridiculous. So it was a lot of that. It was a lot of weird stuff. And when I really thought about the situation, it didn't bother me. It didn't make me feel like, you know, I have to kind of keep a grip on this or keep my foot in the door or kind of assert that this relationship is happening now. I didn't really care. It was really becoming much more clear that this relationship was just because I was in Dallas and it was easier for me to stay. You know, you hear the term sometimes when people are not getting divorced, it's cheaper to keep her. Yeah, I was kind of there. 
in a weird way. It was easier. It made more sense long-term for my financial stability than quit a really high-paying job, go back to the most expensive city in the country with no job and all my nice stuff that you still have to pay for, plus packing it all up. That's a lot, right? So I stick with it. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not super invested, but I'm also not out there on the weekends looking for other people to date. And we're spending a good bit of time together. He's really making an effort. So of course, reason sets in and you kind of have to give him a chance, right? He's really sorry. He wouldn't do it again. Shoot. You know, people make mistakes. I, I, you know, I know I talked to his mom about it because I was really upset and she was furious with him. And she didn't blame me at all for how I felt. And she really understood how I felt. She was really my ally in that relationship. She and I were very much alike personality wise. And, you know, but here we are, you, you can't change somebody. You can't make them be somebody they're not or that they don't want to be. But he was making effort. And so, of course, time is going by and he buys a home and my lease is up. So guess where we're headed with this guy's now? We move in together. I move into his house. Not right away. You know, he had the house for probably six or seven months before I even would go over there. So there, there was some, you know, some time where he was just kind of on his own and I was doing my own thing. And as we are kind of building back what we used to have, which really was not that great either, to be honest, um, but we're on that path. Turns out, guys, he's dating somebody else. Like, who saw this coming, right? <laughs> who saw this coming? And I found out actually because, um, you know, I was at his house and you know, when you're dating somebody and you're at their house a good bit, you see stuff, you see furniture, you see stuff, you open the bathroom cabinets to get, you know, another roll of toilet paper or put your stuff there and you see stuff. And um, I had already moved in though, because I really, I didn't think about stuff too much. You know, I thought, oh, you've learned your lesson. Like, you know, if we're going to make this work, we'll, we'll try, we'll make this work, we'll take it seriously. So when I saw furniture that I didn't recognize, I didn't think about it because I don't know. I mean, I don't know what all the furniture he has and where it came. Who cares? You know, I don't think about, I wasn't looking for things. And one night I opened the cabinet and there was a contact lens case in the cabinet. Now I wear contact lenses too, but it wasn't my case. My case goes on the bathroom counter. And I was like, so what's this? Now, if you're him, right, this is another point where probably just run for the fucking hills because this, again, is not going to end well. And at this point, remember, like, I, I'm moving in. So I'm not, I have my apartments out. Like, this, this is where I'm headed. And he has to explain to me that he had been dating yet someone else who was a receptionist or a nurse or something at one of his doctor's offices. And she was living in Oklahoma. So it's so weird because there's this tie to Oklahoma with him, which is so, which is so, which is so strange, so strange to Dallas and would stay with him, even though he claimed she had her own place, but stored some of her stuff there. 
So at this point now, I'm like, okay, so flashback, <laughs> because it's not been that long, right? And I'm thinking, you know, okay, listen, like in my head, I'm like, okay, I either have to accept this stuff or not. And in this moment, again, I'm not going to pack up all my stuff and go back to San Francisco, which is what I want to do. It's not a smart move financially. I'm doing really well in my job. I either have to accept this or not, right? And it was easier for me to accept it. What I learned as I got older, and I mean, I, was an, I wasn't young when this happened. You know, I was an adult. I should have known better. But I really saw that I didn't love him. Like I said before, I had love for him, but I wasn't in love with him the way that I feel I should be in love with someone that I'm going to make a life with. You know, I had been in love before, so I knew what it felt like. I knew, I knew how I viewed things when that was the case. And for me to just kind of be like, ugh, like it's just too hard for me to move. Like think of that bullshit excuse, right? That's not somebody who genuinely loves somebody. That's not the motivation you want when you really, really love someone. So I decide, of course, to stay there. I tell him that he has 48 hours to get the furniture out, et cetera. I don't care what happens to it. I don't care where it goes. Or I'm going to throw it in the dumpster or donate it or whatever. And sure enough, two of his friends came over the next day, took it. He did not go, but they actually took it to wherever her apartment was and dropped it off and whatever, because I guess they were friends with her too, because she had been around, right? So now two times. <laughs> two disasters where a thinking person would have been like, okay, what, what the fuck's going on here? Not me though, guys, not me. Dallas was super complicated. So time goes on and not a lot of time. We only lived together for a year in that house. But as that time is going on, I'm making a concerted effort. He's making more of a concerted effort to have kind of a, a stable family unit a normal life um, and kind of leaving that behind and doing our best to move forward. So, okay. And I mean, things are still coming up. Like his, his friends, two of his friends are having affairs, which, okay, why are we hanging out with that situation? One of his friends used a very racist term in my house. And when I told him he needed to leave because we don't speak that way in my house, he looked to my boyfriend to kind of override me. My boyfriend at that time was smart enough to say, hey, dude, it's her house. And if she tells you to leave, you have to leave, which was good. I would have preferred maybe that you said the, that the um, N word is not acceptable in our home, but I'll take that if I say you have to leave, you have to leave. Um, so, you know, we, we've moved, we're moving forward, but there are still these things that I'm like, this is just not the life that I want. And Tony played golf a good bit. Um, he was actually a really, really good golfer. I feel like very much he missed his opportunity. That's really what he should have done. He would be one of the top golfer, golfers in the world right now had he pursued that instead of other things. But he was really that good. Um, but he would play very often and he really enjoyed it. And he was playing with a rep from another company, a pretty elite medical device company. And he came home one day and he said, oh, you know, I play golf with so-and-so. And I was talking to them. And, and Tony was also very, very good at his job. 
he did have some good qualities, guys. Like, <laughs> they weren't all shitty qualities. I mean, these things, what he does, you know, with relationships and stuff is pretty bad. But he did have some good qualities. And in these moments of um, of playing golf, they would talk about, you know, what they did. And um, he told me that he was going to get his resume to this rep who was going to take it to HR because they were actually looking for um, – people to work for this company in the Bay Area. And that's really where I wanted to go back. That's where I really felt like I belonged. So he tells me this. And of course, I'm like, oh my God, okay, let me get the boxes. Like, what are we going to do with the cats? We got to pack them up, you know, so obviously we're taking them. But, you know, I got to start packing my closet and what am I, what's going to happen with my job? I go into mode of we're getting the hell out of here and I could not be happier. So every week or so, you know, they would play golf and I'd be like, oh, how's your resume? Like, where is it? What's happening? Any updates? And I would keep asking him for updates. And a couple weeks had gone by. And, you know, I'd ask him and he's like, oh, I don't know. You know, the guy said he gave it to HR. And I was like, well, maybe, you know, you need to call HR and just follow up. Because Tony was a top rep in the very large company that he worked for at the time. He was a rep that another company desperately wants to get their hands on. He was very, very good at that. So there should not have been a delay. You know, if you have this guy who's who wants to work for you, it's kind of, dude, what do you want? Okay, you got it. Let's move. Let's go. So I thought it was kind of weird that it was taking this long. And I just kept asking him, you know, we shared a home office and I'd be like, okay, so what's going on? Because, you know, I'm ready to go. I'm, I'm, when do I get to pack up my stuff and tell my job I'm out? You know, we're going. When are we looking for places to live there? And this one day, a few weeks later, I was asking him about this. And I remember standing at the edge of the desk because I had been at my desk and I was going to walk out of the room. And he was working. And I said, you know, I asked him a couple of questions about it. And he was like, yeah, no, nothing yet. And I said, you know, that day, for some reason, I just kind of pressed the issue. I was like, okay, but maybe you need to call HR. This is weird. Like another company will scoop you up. And I just kept asking questions, right? And when you ask questions, guys, and somebody's lying, it is like they're freaking kryptonite, right? One question maybe they can weasel out of, maybe even two. Six or seven in rapid fire? No way. No way. And I remember he turned around in his chair and he looked at me and he said, I lied. There was no job. I never gave my resume to the guy. I lied and told you that so it would shut you up because I always wanted to get out of Dallas. So again, here I am, right? Standing in that moment in our, our home office in the front of our house, stunned again. So again, Amy, how many times is it going to take you to be stunned before you're like, okay, perhaps this isn't working out, right? Completely stunned. And I stood there, again, trying to process what has happened, because when you are not somebody that manipulates and lies, it's hard to understand people who do. And as I quickly pieced everything together, I started, tears started to come down my face. I wasn't crying. I didn't say anything. I turned around. I walked out of that office. I went into the master bedroom and called my mom. And I said, Mommy, I need movers and I need them here within 48 hours. I'm leaving. That was it. We had movers scheduled. I started to pack my stuff. 
I was not discussing it. I was not talking to him. I was not doing anything. That was my breaking point. And he did try to talk to me and explain himself. And I guess his thought process, you know, he knew I wanted to go back to the Bay Area and he didn't. He was going to tell me that there was a possibility he would go, propose in the meantime. Then I would get busy planning a wedding, of course. And who wants to move in the middle of a wedding? I mean, I would, but I guess most people wouldn't. And then it would kind of be too late. Then I would be married to him. Fucking manipulator, right? So we see a pattern. We see a pattern of somebody who had always manipulated the situation to benefit them, who always had gotten caught and had to explain themselves, but who really was focused on living the life that they wanted to live. So it turns out that as I'm waiting for the movers, my grandpa, who I was really close with, gets very sick, is in ICU. I have to go home. So the move is delayed by a week, a week, um, a week and a half, maybe. My grandpa, unfortunately, did not recover and passed away. And Tony could not even be bothered to come to the funeral. Not because he didn't care about my grandpa, but because he really cared more about what my family thought of him and what was going on then he cared about being a decent human being. And all these things that add up in somebody's behavior, you know? And I remember in that moment, I was really pissed and I wasn't mad for myself. I mean, I don't, it's not about me. It was about my grandpa. My grandpa loved him, treated him like part of the family. You know, he needed to show that respect, but he was going to go to a golf tournament instead. And I was just going to have to take a cab back to the house after I flew in from the airport after the funeral, right? So that did change. He did not come to the, the funeral. I guess he just didn't want to spend the money. He had plenty, but a plane ticket at the last minute. I had one, but I guess he couldn't do it. Um, and about two days when I got back from Dallas, when I got back to Dallas, the boovers had taken my stuff. We packed up my car the cats we were dog sitting so we had the dog we were going to meet um, my girlfriend on the way through and we proceeded to drive to the bay area so now here we are like two days of driving and i want to murder the guy right so but i'm cool as a cucumber because now i finally realized he is not the person for me not even freaking close right so when we're on the road you know his phone keeps ringing and stuff and he's not answering it and i'm like well that's weird you know you're getting phone calls he said, oh yeah, you know, it's my friend. He's just, he knows we're traveling. He just wants to see what's going on. I'm like, well, why would you call somebody though? Because you know, you're driving, right? So you're, you're driving. <laughs> you're not gonna like get wrapped up in a 45 minute phone call. So, you know, we stay at the hotel overnight. We have to get separate rooms because one of the cats won't be quiet. And of course, Tony needs his sleep because he's driving. Of course, I mean, I was driving part of the way too. It was my car. And we get to San Francisco and we spend the night there because his flight back to Dallas is early the next morning. And I take him to the airport that morning and give him his bag and he gets out of the car and he starts crying again about how could I be so cold? How could this just be over? Why am I doing this? And at this point, guys, finally I've had enough. <laughs> And I just kind of chuckled and I was like, you know, what did you think was going to happen? What, I, what did you think was going to happen? 
you can't just manipulate everything all the time and discount what somebody else really wants for their life. So, you know, he didn't get it. I don't think he still gets it. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Um, but I just know I left him at the curb and I drove off to go meet my friends for brunch because that's what I wanted to do. And I had had enough of his ass. But something I actually found out the night before when we were talking and, you know, we were just talking about the relationship and how it didn't work out. And, you know, I never wished anything bad for him. I wanted him to be successful and happy and find the person that was a fit for him because it wasn't me. And that's okay. I, I still, to this day, would be very happy to know he's doing well and, and living the kind of life he wants to live. But in talking that night before, um, I found out that the phone calls that were coming in while we were driving were not his friend at all. Guess who they were? Another coworker that he was reeling in. And really, I should not be surprised. So now I take the lessons. If I could go back, I really don't even think I would change anything. Because those experiences and having to navigate that really shitty situation taught me what was important to me and how to handle things. And ultimately, this very extended dating disaster brought me to the point I am now, which is a life that is better than I even ever could have imagined with a partner who does have not only the things I want, but the things that I really need. That relationship, that disaster made me smarter. So I know we're going into the holidays now. We're coming up on Thanksgiving and it's a time where people kind of think about, oh, I don't have a date. What's going on? We, we grasp for things because we want something and we want to fit a square peg in a round hole. And I just want you, the next time you want to do that, play back the Dallas disasters part one and this one part two and learn from this experience. Learn from the experience of somebody who, you know, I could have saved this whole process was like five years, guys, right? Narrowed down to like two hours. But I could have saved myself some trouble. I wouldn't be the person I am and I wouldn't have the perspective I, the perspectives that I do. But take the lessons. And if you're in one of these situations now, you always have to do what you think is right. Don't allow yourself to be manipulated or influenced by anybody else. Be strong enough and courageous enough to stand up for yourself and live the life that you want. And if you're finally leaving that relationship and getting back out there and you need help with online dating or dating in general, make sure you check out my business. I mean, I started an entire business off of what I learned from dating people when it didn't work out. And I help other people have better experiences. And you can head over to onlinedatingresults.com. You can download right now, absolutely free, my seven best tips for online dating. And the things I love about those tips, you can apply them to any dating in, you know, if you're not online dating, you can still use those tips. You can still use the first two for any scenario in life. So head over there to onlinedatingresults.com, get your seven best tips for online dating and having success. And remember, 
that dating is not always great, but there are always lessons to take away. So be smart and learn your lesson because they always say you're going to repeat the lesson until you actually learn it. I'm Amy Helt, and this was the Dating Disasters Podcast. See you next time.